You know, this is kind of an unusual Sunday. First of all, schools are on spring break, and we have some folks here because of that. A bunch of our folks are on the road and not here. And there's some aren't here because they're slugabeds. <laughs> they didn't set their clocks ahead last night. And I just had a conversation with God, and he told me that in honor of the fact and appreciating the fact that in spite of the fact that you lost an hour of sleep, you're here, he'll not be offended if you go to sleep during the sermon. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, there goes Bill. <laughs> you know, in recent weeks, we've gone through a season in which the temporary nature of this life's really been impressed upon us, hasn't it? We've had so many dear ones who are close to us leave this life and go into the glorious arms of Jesus. You just We've been confronted with death by the unusual frequency. Just think about it. Jim Smith some weeks ago, Nicole Lotz's grandfather, Inez Bullman, Nettie, and then even as we were preparing Wednesday for Nettie's funeral, we received word that our dear sister Myrna Henry had left this life shortly before o'clock in the morning. We just can't avoid the fact that this life is temporary. Last Sunday, Bill brought a very beautiful word for us as a church, just as a body, speaking of, of Nettie's passing. And then on Wednesday, in a beautiful way, reminding us that where Nettie and Myrna Henry are right now is not just a better place. But they're in the glorious presence of Jesus Christ. Something that we just can't even begin to imagine with our human minds. And yet, even though that's true, we grieve, don't we? And as Paul mentioned in his letter to the Thessalonians, we do not grieve as those who have no hope, but we still grieve. The very real presence of Christ is theirs now, and yet we grieve. When we experience the death of a loved one, I don't know how it is with you, but with the passing of my wife, I find myself from time to time asking, God, what's she doing today? <laughs> Just trying to imagine what she might be doing today in the presence of of the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing we don't like to talk about, of course, is hell. But hell's real. Unfortunately, the King James has kind of confused the issue because the two Greek words, the one for hell is Gehenna, which we say Gehenna. And the one for the place where those who are awaiting the judgment day are today is Hades, as we use it in, in English. Hades, just for the sake of communication, let me say, has two regions. One region is where those who are in Christ Jesus are with our Lord in that glorious estate that we cannot even imagine what it is like. The other area of Hades, we might say, is a holding cell. For those who will be damned in eternity are waiting the judgment day. Even as those who are with Christ are waiting the judgment day. But the King James just translates both of those words, hell. 
which is very, very confusing as we try to explore that particular subject. This morning we're not going to talk about hell and we're not going to talk about Hades, but I feel our Lord would have us talk about the day of judgment. Again, a topic we don't like to talk about. Remember when the Apostle Paul had been arrested and they moved him from place to place and finally they took him down where the governor Felix resided for his final trial. And as it wasn't his final trial, he later went on to Rome. But Felix then had Paul come in and began to examine him. And he began to ask him, tell me, what is this stuff you're preaching that got you into so much trouble? In Acts 24, 25, now I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture more than preaching today. And as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened. Now this Roman governor, Felix became frightened and said, go away. When I have more time, I'll uh, summon you. (laughs) He didn't like to hear about the judgment day. That's a subject we like to avoid. And yet, I've been impressed that our Lord would have us this morning talk about the judgment day. Hebrews 9.27, And as it is accounted to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Now, I must say as we begin that one of the most precious verses for me in the Bible is Deuteronomy 29.29. The secret things belong to Jehovah our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this law. Now, it's difficult for us as humans to accept the fact that there are things God said you don't really need to know, and so I'm not going to tell you about it. Remember when the apostles were with Jesus before his ascension and he began to talk to them about things that were going to happen and they said, well, Lord, uh, is this when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said, the times and seasons are none of your business. But, he said, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then I give you a command. Be my witnesses. In other words, you don't need to know all that, but you do need to know this. I'm giving you a command, that's what you need to know, and you'll be empowered to fulfill it. So there's just something in our human nature, isn't it? We're always wanting to know the secret things, and when we probe those too deeply and our human imaginations take flight, we come up with sometimes some very strange and often dangerous ideas that lead frequently to heresy. So this morning we have to say concerning what life is like beyond the grave, concerning the judgment day, there are many things we just don't know, but there is much that we do know. This morning we want to talk about some of those things that we do know. First of all, we need to realize that there is coming a resurrection. Scripture says there's a first and second resurrection. The first resurrection is those who belong to Jesus Christ. Our bodies will be changed. We'll be like those that have gone before. They'll be resurrected. Our bodies will be changed. We'll go join to meet them in the air. But there's a second resurrection. John 5, 28 to 29. Do not marvel at this. 
For an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come forth. Those who did the, de the good deeds to a resurrection of life. Those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. There's a lot we don't know, but let's consider what we do know. First of all, the day of judgment is an absolute certainty. It is there. When Jesus sent out his disciples to preach to the various cities in and around Galilee, he said this in Matthew 10:15, Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment for that city. And he's talking about those cities where the apostles rent and preached and people did not believe them. When Jesus himself went among the cities and began to preach, and some rejected him, they didn't believe his word. He said this, Nevertheless, I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Nevertheless, I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. The men of Nineveh shall stand up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. But behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Over and over and over again, the certainty of the judgment was pronounced by Jesus Christ. And of course, how can we not think about the parable of the sheep and goats in Matthew 25? When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep on His right hand, the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Many scripture passages, of course, speak of the fate of the damned, but there are also many that speak of the fate of the redeemed. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Therefore do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord who comes will bring to light the things hidden in the darkness, so on and so on, and speaking of the praise that does come to those who are his. So the, the judgment day is, is a certain thing, and uh, we face that reality as we realize the temporary nature of this life. The second thing is the great day of judgment will not be a casual affair, but it will be very precise. Matthew twelve thirty six. I say to you, that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. That's pretty precise, isn't it? 
Romans 2.16, On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. Don't these remind us of what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount? You say, Thou shalt not kill. But I say, if you have hatred and anger toward your brother, that's like murder, he said. He said, It is written, You shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, A man that lusteth after a woman in his heart has already committed adultery. Think about that. It's going to be very, very precise when we stand before the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time. But wait until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motive of men's heart. Then each man's praise will come from him. You know, Bill Sullivan is so gifted in putting together these videos. <laughs> and as we come together for funerals, he has these wonderful videos that he has prepared for the life of the person. I wonder in the judgment day if God's going to have some videos. And he's going to have a video of Jim Garrett's life. <laughs> Born in Muskogee General Hospital, October 5th, 1930. <laughs> Went to live in an apartment house, moved uh, out to Old Mulgee Street and then Live Oak Street. Five years of age, learned to read, on and on and on. Uh-oh. And here's a video of a lie Jim told his mother. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Here's a time Jim lusted in his heart. Here's a time in which Jim, in a fight, hurt a boy he didn't need to hurt. Think about what might be on my video and I'm not going to tell you about some stuff what will be on your video think about that and I wonder if in this video my mother and my father are going to watch it all I didn't want them to know that you know is it going to be that way we'll talk about that in a minute <laughs> but the son of God will be the judge John 5.22 For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. John 5.27 and following And he gave him authority, speaking of Jesus, to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the tomb shall hear his voice, shall come forth those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment, but it is the Son who will do that judgment. Acts 10.42, He ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that this is the one, speaking of Jesus, who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Second Timothy 4, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, by his appearing and his kingdom, so on and so on. Second Timothy 4.8 In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Hebrews 10.30 For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I'll repay again. And the Lord, again, the Lord will judge his people. 
the one in judgment day who will sit in the seat of the judge is the one whose resurrected body has nail prints in his hands. His resurrected body has nail prints in his feet. His resurrected body has the scars of a crown of thorn that once was on his head. Why do we say that? Because when the apostles saw the resurrected Lord, they saw those wounds. That's the one who will sit on the throne as our judge. Number four, all will stand in judgment. Romans 14.10 But why do you judge your brother? Again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? Shall we all stand before the judgment seat of God? 2 Corinthians 5.10 We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Hebrews 9.27, as we already cited, it has been appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. First Peter 4.17, it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? First Peter 4.5, and they shall give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Hebrews 12, 23, to the general assembly, church of the firstborn who are rolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all. Jude 1, 15, to execute judgment upon all, and so on and so on. Even those of us who are in Christ Jesus will face the judgment day. We'll face the judgment day. Far different will be our fate, of course, than those who aren't. <laughs> but we will face the judgment day. And then there's this wonderful truth that comes forth concerning the Lamb's Book of Life, which is so important when we think about the judgment day. Philippians 4.3, indeed, true comrade, I ask you to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelation 20, verse 12 and following. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which are written in the books, according to their deeds. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown to the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And then here's this beautiful part. If anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I want my name in the book of life. 
Revelation 21, 27, nothing unclean, no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those are the ones that will go to heaven. John 5:24. truly, true, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life does not come into judgment does not come into judgment but is passed out of death into life how many times in the word of God do we find our Lord Jesus speaking of reward in heaven for those who are his as I ponder these scriptures concerning all of us will be judged and yet the blessedness of having our name in the Lamb's Book of Life and the tragedy for those whose names is not there. I can only deduce that those of us whose names are in the Lamb Book of Life are assured heaven. But we will be judged. And that judgment is where the degree of reward that we will receive will be determined. What will that reward be like? I don't know. <laughs> Unfortunately, the King James translates John 14. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions in the King James. And so we think, oh, I have a big mansion. I have a little mansion. You know, there's that one quartet song, just build me a cabin in the corner of glory's land. Some get a cabin, some get a castle. But that's not what the Greek says. <laughs> really what it says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. You see, in Old English, the word for house is manse. <laughs> and so mansion, that just means a house. If a church owns a house where the preacher lived, nowadays that's called a parsonage. In the old days, that was called the manse, <laughs> the house. So King James confuses us. There's, there's no great mansions built on streets of gold nor little cabins in the corner of glory land. I don't know what those rewards are going to be. <laughs> But they're going to be marvelous. They're going to be anything beyond we know in this life. So those of us whose names are in the Lamb's Book of Life, yes, we'll be examined. Now I wonder if there is a video of my life, will all of my sins be shown on that video? I don't think so. <laughs> John 1 says, if we say we have no sin, we're liars and truth in this. Now remember, he's writing to Christians. You Christians, if you say you have no sin, you're liars and the truth isn't in you. But if we confess our sins, he is just and will forgive us our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. In the book of Hebrews, God said, In their sins and iniquities I'll remember against them no more. My view is that if God decides to write on the chalkboard my life, and there may be a sin there, when I've confessed it with broken and repentant heart, he erases it and isn't there anymore. I believe that if there is such a video of my life, there's going to be some big holes. <laughs> because the things that I don't want there won't be there. Because with broken heart and tears in my eyes, I have repented and sought God's forgiveness. And I've received it. Oh, how wonderful. What assurance. 
to know that our name can be in the Lamb's book of life. How can that be? What assurance can I have? Well, Paul in his writings more than once tells us that assurance is ours because God has given us the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1.22 He also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. 2 Corinthians uh, 3, 5. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. The word pledge here is a Greek word that means it's actually used uh, by those who lend money in Greek. And it refers to some kind of a pledge a borrower gives to the lender to guarantee he'll pay back the loan. Today, if you're going to buy a house, you give earnest money, so to speak. To, you're going to go through with it. So the Holy Spirit, and the King James in one passage says, as God's earnest. The fact that I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, I know heaven is my home. My name is on the Lamb's book of life. Now, of course, okay, how do I get the Spirit? <laughs> The only answer I know to give is the one the apostles gave after the ascension of Jesus on the day of Pentecost. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent. Now, the Greek word here is metanoeo, which means change your mind. He was preaching to people that had crucified Jesus. Change your mind about who Jesus is. That's what he was saying. But there are two other words. Metamelomai means sorrow and grief. We sorrow and grieve over our sin. We change our mind about who Jesus is. And the other word sometimes translated repentance is epistrepho. Epistrepho means to make a turn. It can also mean in the banking world you turn your assets over to the banker. Doesn't that really fit? I give my life to Jesus. I turn around. I live a different way because I've metamilamide. I've sorrowed over my sin. I now have a new concept of who he is. And I turn around and I change and I give my life to him. That has to happen. You can go in the baptistry, a dry center, and come out a wet center if that hasn't happened. But repent, every one of you, and be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, the, the Greek preposition here means upon the authority of Jesus. I'm doing this as if Christ were doing it. Be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is not only to you, but is to your children and to those that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And as we follow the nine cases of conversion and acts and those described in the epistles, that's the pattern. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have later fillings, as Jim Grinnell preached some weeks ago. But initially, we've received the Holy Spirit when, with a right heart, we're immersed into Christ and give our lives to him. When that happens, we have the Holy Spirit that guarantees that heaven is ours and our name is on the Lamb's book of life. Can it be erased? Only if we fall away. Book of Hebrews has two very serious chapters, chapter 6 and chapter 10. 
you see this wonderful description. Those who have heard the word, they've, they've, they've tasted of the glories to come, they've tasted of the Holy Spirit. If they fall away, there remaineth no more sacrifice of righteousness, but only a fearful looking forward to the wrath of God. And then it goes on and describes how you throw away chaff. That's a sad thing to think about, isn't it? Somebody that has actually known God has actually had the Holy Spirit then falls away. A dreadful thing to think about but can always come back. <laughs> Although Peter did not have the Holy Spirit as came on Pentecost, we see Peter three times. Boy, three times. Uh, here's a man who came the soldiers with Judas, and he whipped out his sword. I'm going to fight the whole crowd. But later at the campfire, <laughs> first a little girl and then two others. You're one of his. No, I'm not. He finally Three Can you imagine that? This is one who had walked with Christ. This is one who, through the anointing of Christ, and really the Holy Spirit would have said, perform miracles, heal people, delivered people from demons. But he fell away. But he came back. Our Lord's arms are always open, eager to receive all who will come to receive the grace that he's offered. Even as Heather quoted the passage there, read the passage day right now, yes, but then for eternity. Now, you know, if this were a different crowd, I would be preaching an evangelistic sermon <laughs> and we'd offer an invitation, but I suppose today we're all family. So let me say, let us rejoice that our name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Father, we face the reality of the judgment. But as John wrote, we have confidence in the judgment because we're in Jesus. We thank you in his name. Amen.